Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to the segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is managing cloud to manage itself. And our guest for today's show is Bill Fandrick, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Hey, Bill, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Very good. And I also have Phil Bertolini, who's the CIO with Oakland County. Hi, Phil. How is life? Great. How are you? Good, good, good. So here the topic is managing cloud to manage itself. And the reason, the genesis of this topic is because, of course, no longer somebody has to think about why should somebody use cloud. It's mainstream and we are using it full throttle. Now, the only problem some people have faced is they started with it, but now the management and the costs related to it sometimes go out of control and there have been ongoing issues at how much, how well do I use cloud for it to not offset the very value it creates. So that said, we wanted to discover and or discuss what is it that uh, we could do, what is that magic recipe of managing cloud and how to create automation so that we can get to a point where it manages itself. Is that even possible? If yes, then how do we go about it? So that said, so Bill, why not we start with you? Uh, What do you think is the level, if you were to kind of literally wear hat of a pseudo analyst, when it comes to cloud and that too in this digital now age where there's so much coming from all different directions, what is the current level of organizations' maturity in being able to use cloud? You know, I think that that quite frankly varies uh, quite a bit organization to organization, but I think you have to go to the premise of what really cloud is and, you know, a, a true cloud model and then understanding when you're entering these relationships that you're aligned to make sure you can take best advantage of its capabilities. You know, the cloud by, by definition moves us from an asset orientation model, a fixed asset, to a, a utility or service-based model where some form of consumption um, is is the driver of how you pay for that service. Uh, the technology alone, you know, to enable that, you, you've got to be ready to support the cloud, and that goes in multiple areas. It does not eliminate your need to have technical sophistication and understanding of how that will interoperate with other things in your environment. In fact, it probably requires more sophistication. What you're eliminating is a lot of the some many aspects of your towers and the support of those services. When you think about it, though, from a, uh, um, how it gets implemented and evolved, if you don't have the right capabilities to monitor, to be able to understand capacity planning, to have the right governance to oversee it, what you oftentimes find out is is that you're driving a lot more usage um, that, that, quite frankly, you're buying more capacity than you actually need, and you're not really leveraging the full aspects of a cloud, which gets you away from from having a a fixed infrastructure. You're just building more things into the cloud um, and and oftentimes in a a more costly environment. So it does require a different kind of uh, 
procurement model. It requires you a different types of governance model. It does require you a degree of technical sophistication, and you need to be enabled for the cloud, which includes all the appropriate monitoring and support infrastructure for that. So, Bill, based on uh, Bill's response here, I mean, the very reason why someone would go to cloud is to leverage its ability for dynamic provisioning. And of course, other aspects, but dynamic provisioning where you're only paying per use. So that, would you say is not assumed so far? Or is that, is that, is that not a given feature that one would go with? Well, I, I, I think one of the problems you have today is you have Bill and Phil on the call. So this is Phil who's answering what Bill just talked about. Um, <laughs> okay. But the, the dynamic provisioning is a very important part of this. But understand that there's a delta in cost that ha- it has to be worth it. And what I mean by that is what would it cost me to have it on-premise versus what would it cost me to have it in the cloud going to an operational expense instead of a capital expense but is the delta of what I'm going to have to pay to do that ongoing, is it worth the dynamic provisioning? In many cases, it is, based on the fact that I don't want to have to build our data or internal data center up to full capacity, but it, it depends on the organization. It depends on how you've virtualized and how you've um, done and optimized your data center to determine whether you're going to get a lot of benefit out of it. So, uh, Bill Fendrick, this is a question for you. So, here... If you were to look at any organization, especially this digital uh, companies of the future, everyone is saying cloud first or cloud only model. I'm not talking about the natives, but even the ones who had the legacy, they're moving towards the cloud first or cloud only model. When they're going to go that route, then there is no so-called legacy that they have to deal with. Would we not have to tackle this problem of cost going out of control or provisioning formulas, et cetera, before we go. So are we, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Oh, I think, I think oftentimes when you hear those words of, you know, um, we're going to the cloud, I think like every aspect, um, especially large complex organizations with, as you noted, legacy systems, you know, you can't have a one-size-fits-all model. Um, you know, we have a variety of capabilities and services. Some are more geared towards what more of a orientation to a software as a service versus uh, um, to many aspects of our infrastructure that can be cloud-enabled for many of our development in, in other parts of our environment. There's many legacy technologies that would make no sense to migrate to a cloud model. Um, and I think that those are things that I think, um, you know, to, to try to drive to saying that's our strategy, move the cloud, I think is depending on what your business is, unless you have, don't have a lot of that legacy in a wide uh, disparity of technology, you know, it, it, you might be able to do that. But for most of us who live with, you know, hundreds if not thousands of legacy applications that have been built over decades, you just don't go there. Um, and, and nor is it the right answer in many cases. So you've got to look at all the tools you have and capabilities you have in the market and really match them against the, the value driver that they create in the business value that you can get out of it and also where the technology uh, is best run most cost-effectively. So, question for you, Phil Bertolini. 
how long will we carry this baggage of legacy? Because, of course, uh, Bill Fendrick has a good point here that we have so much legacy, which thousands of applications, so maybe the cutover will take many, many years. But is there an end in sight where you say, okay, I'm no longer going to have the legacy hold me back because many of the newer business models and the computing paradigms that we want to take advantage of are essentially cloud-driven. Well, if we if we were in Valhalla and we were Zeus, we could just wave our, our wand and make it happen. It's not going to happen that way. And we're going to live with these legacy systems for quite some time. They're, they're not, you know, no one ever can just go ahead and replace everything they have. It didn't take overnight to build it, so it's not going to take overnight to dismantle it. But it's important to understand, too, is I don't believe everything can go to the cloud. And I believe you're going to have a hybrid model in most cases. I know we are here in Oakland County where we have some technologies that are going to need to run on-premise for the type of technology that they are, the type of data that they're going to hold, and the people that are going to use it. So in that case, I may have a scaled down, a dramatically scaled down data center internally, but it doesn't mean I'm never going to have anything on-premise. And I know some companies have done that where they've had older data centers and they've said, we're just going to take everything and go to the cloud. And while I wish I could, I just don't think, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening in the, in the next several years for sure. Because I also believe that we have a real struggle right now is in talent. When you talk about the ability to go to the cloud, that requires significant talent and know-how to get there. And, and the problem we have is we have legacy technologies that we have older skill sets that are managing and at the same time, I need this newer skill sets to go ahead and get us to the cloud. So I don't see it being just a quick and easy thing and snap your fingers and you're in the cloud. What I do see is a long, um, uh, strategically planned, methodical way to get to the cloud and at the same time lessen your need for your footprint on-premise. So, uh, Bill, uh, this is for you. When we talk about cloud by design, we are in a way unless otherwise it's a private cloud situation, for the most part, we are looking to and or banking on a cloud provider's ability to handle the performance, the security, the availability, and everything else. But still we find, yes, we are, we are supposed to eventually be owning it because we are the CIOs and are the leaders of IT in our company. But why are we holding that bag when we are paying the premium to those cloud providers, and have we reached a point where we have less of that management hassle on our head? Well, I think there's, yeah, I think you have to look at it um, uh, from a variety of things. You know, I, I never believed, and I don't think the world changes, that, that you know, we never, as CIOs, can give up responsibility, even if we move it to the cloud of those vendors, what you're, those relationships, like everything else, are complicated to manage. And you have to, going back to the premise of this, you have to design for the cloud. So, you know, many legacy technologies won't work in the cloud. Most of these, if you will, off-the-shelf cloud vendors won't support many of those technologies. 
many aspects of their security, the more sophisticated security, many of us have to have to support the industry-specific requirements. You have to add on on top of that. Um, so it, it's not you've got to really understand going into it what your what your what your value driver is. I think what's most important if you design for the cloud is you're starting to work with your business on new capabilities. There is the opportunity to shape how you deploy and develop solutions. You are reducing a significant amount of your capital expenditure, replacing it with a, if you will, an annuity from a, a uh, expense-based model, which finance needs to understand. And if you manage uh, it right, you are leveraging capacity far superior than what you can manage in your own environment when you think about all the different environments you have to have from development to testing to production to uh, disaster recovery. There's no question you can say, but you have to design that. It's not as simple as taking something legacy and moving that and getting the benefits. Rarely does that work. Um, you know, it is just the panacea. But if you design for that and you work in your everything from your design and development of solutions from that framework, you do have the opportunity to gain tremendous value um, in, in a variety of ways. So can I jump on to what Bill just talked about? Because I think he nailed it. And, and, I, and I think what people fail to understand is that there's a heavy decision that has to be made here. And you have to decide philosophically and strategically where you're going to head. And I think what we also have to remember, and to add on to Bill's comments, is we have to make sure we're dividing and, and separating cloud versus SaaS, software as a service. Because if I'm creating a cloud that I'm going to then house some of my technologies in, that's one thing. If I'm simply consuming a SaaS model where I'm consuming a technology that someone else already has in a cloud, then it's a different paradigm. And, and all of this costs money. And as CIOs, we have to work with our CFOs to make sure they understand that my operating is going to go up and my capital should go down eventually, but not right away. So I think there's a number of nuances here where cloud providers can say they're all secure and they can say it's real easy and they can say, I have a roadmap for you. doesn't mean your organization can go there as fast as some people may think. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's evaluate the net positivity of this whole move in or migration to cloud. So, uh, Phil, you mentioned about the SaaS model and the cloud. And, of course, depending on what you're using, you would use this these different versions, if you will, of going where the capability that you're finding is available through someone else, whether it's an infrastructure or an application. But regardless, whatever we are trying to do here, what is our net positive or a net result? Are we essentially getting into something newer and sexier, but we are turning it into a forever exercise and increasing complexity? Or is it actually moving us into the desired direction? What's the current state? What are the challenges? What are the advantages that we are finally finding when we are jumping into it and and, uh, seeing what is going on with us? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll, We'll be right back. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? 
If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Phil Bertolini, this is a question for you. With all the effort that's going on in cloud adoption, and we are trying to find the best way to adopt, whether you mentioned the SaaS model or the, the regular cloud, in whichever flavor we bring it in, what is the net result? What is the formula you're using? And that final ultimate goal is to go hugely net positive. But as we are going through this journey, dealing with legacy and all these different uh, adoption curves, how how are we faring with respect to the outcome we are seeing? Well, I, I think that's a wonderful question because what we get hung up on in this entire topic is technology. And it's really a business model and a business play. And if we don't understand why we're doing it, and I'm a big fan of the Simon Sinek video, the TED video on how great leaders inspire others to act. He talks about why and not what. If we don't understand all the whys underneath this, uh, quite honestly, the business decision is much more difficult to make. So why are we doing it? We're, we're trying to make sure that we are able to optimize our technologies and be able to scale up and scale down when we need to. Why are we doing that? So they're much more available to us at the same time we're managing costs. So we're, we're trying to do this teeter-totter thing of availability, uh, value and, and the cost associated with it. And what I'm seeing with the cloud right now is to get started is very, very expensive. And it's, it's like building another data center. But it's because you have to have all the right appliances in place. You have to have all the right monitoring in place. And Bill mentioned that earlier. You have to have all the same things in place, whether it's in the cloud or it's sitting in your data center. But what are the wins? The wins are longer term. The wins are... I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have an environment that I can scale up and scale down where I need it. I'm going to have an environment that's secure and we can help manage that security through the whomever our provider is. If I'm using a SaaS model, 
I don't have to have all the servers in, in place, and I don't have to worry about upgrading servers and, and versioning uh, you know, software and so on. It's just happening out in the cloud, and I'm paying, at, paying for it on an ongoing basis. So my big why to go to the cloud is, is a number of things, but a couple of different whys. One, I need to, to make sure I can manage my costs, especially in government with limited revenues. I need to manage those costs at the same time, provide superior quality and value. The other why is that, you know, the whole world is going this way. Why can't government get there too? And I think we can, and I think we're working towards it. I do think there's a value proposition, but you have to be ready to ride it out. You have to be ready to wait three, four, maybe five years before you see a financial win. And that's okay as long as everybody that's involved in the original decision is still around saying, yeah, we agreed four years ago to make that happen. So I think there's an upside, I think there's a positive, and we're looking forward to getting into this new environment much more thoroughly. Because we're in Amazon Cloud right now, the Amazon Web Services, and we're using SaaS where we can. The question is, what is that mixture going to be longer term? And that's what we're working on. So, Bill Fandrick, you must be sitting with CFO at some point when this all started to say, okay, we will go to this cloud journey. What did you promise short-term, medium-term, and long-term in terms of the numbers or the outcomes that you will be able to uh, deliver or, and, or use as benchmarks to see whether you're going in the right direction? Yes. Yeah, so here's the way I would, I would, in response to that question, um, I would frame it. First thing I did besides, because there was, like every company, they hear about this, the power of it, they hear about Amazon, they... Um, and there seems to be, and of course, every every company, every vendor out there is pitching to the business people the value of the cloud. First of all, uh, before we sat down and just talked about moving to the cloud, we had long, long discussions, executive team, of what the cloud really means, and then where could it drive value, and where it wouldn't drive value to try to provide some clarification, so we just didn't fall into the panacea. Then equally, to be honest, there was a lot uh, we could do in our new innovative capabilities in a lot of our, if you will, in the data management informatics space, um, in a lot of our, even some of our infrastructure spaces where it was more IT, where we wanted to, for lack of better words, eat our own dog food. We wanted to be able to demonstrate uh, where we had most of the control that we could drive a value prop, and we were able to clearly measure the the cost uh, to deploy to the cost to operate the differences between the two model we're very transparent on that we're getting back um, the field point is is this is a business change not in just an IT change in fact it it has to be about the business so now our journey is really talking about how we start to leverage the cloud for our capabilities, our innovations that we're driving with the business, and not thinking about it as a technology, but thinking about it as an operating model of how we uh, design, develop, and deploy solutions in a much more rapid way, at a much more cost-effective time frame, at a much um, uh, a more flexibility for us to conduct business more across the various third parties that we do business with, which is important to our business um, community. So it, it's a you. If you go down this path, if you're if you're not spending sixty, seventy percent of your time as CIO educating your business, you're, it's going to come back and haunt you because there's no way um, that 
it's, it should be considered a technology, and the benefits will not happen because the change that has to occur across the organization to, is far beyond just IT. You know, and you, you think about it, Bill, that's that long-term change, too. Exactly. That, that, that short-term memory stuff drives me crazy sometimes where you talk about it, and a couple of years later you're trying to bear the fruit now. And it's like, why did we do this? Why are we going here? Why aren't we changing our model? And, and I think in our organization, I've had a CFO that's been here a very long time and our county executive as well, that we have very good continuity of leadership to where we agree and we can move forward. But think about those organizations that don't, and they have a changeover in leadership, and they're right in the middle of a major deployment in the cloud, and people are wondering why they're spending all that money. That would just drive me nuts. I agree, and I think, you know, for those of us who lived through the waves, um, although it was more about a um, labor arbitrage, but there's very similar comparisons to the emphasis on offshore, like move everything offshore. I think people found if they didn't approach it the right way, um, that your cost over time go up. And there's tons of hidden costs that no one anticipated. And in this is the same concept. It is not a panacea. It needs to be thought through strategically, and it's about an organizational commitment, as Phil said, not just in a short, long term, not just about a technology play and not about a short-term uh, return on investment. Yeah, that offshore thing was a short-term look, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. Everybody was thinking, oh, I can save, you know, 20 bucks an hour by having a programmer, programmer overseas. And then, yeah, who's going to manage them? Who's going to be talking with them at night? Who's going to make sure you get the deliverable you need? So that, that was a short-term fix to a long-term problem that I'm glad we, we got through. Exactly. And we don't want to make the same mistake with the cloud. That's for uh, sure. Because it, it, there's power with it, but there's also it's dangerous if you don't understand what you're getting into. Uh, so, Bill, uh, Bill Fantrick, this is a question for you. You, since you mentioned cost control, right, or or a false sense of cost savings, what is the dark side when it comes to looking at cloud and thinking that hey, it's a subscription-based model, it's a simple pricing, and I can get away with many, many dollars of savings when it comes to trying to handle costs in a cloud environment? Well, I think that that's, again, you have to think about what service you're procuring. You know, if you think about infrastructure as a cloud, um, meaning a lot of our back, um, and, you know, things behind the, the walls traditionally in the data center, et cetera, and you're doing that, that's one aspect of it. And certainly, you know, people talk about, well, you know, we don't have to buy servers. We don't have to deploy hardware. We don't have to do patching. We don't have to do all these things. And, and you got to be real careful there because I've seen people move to that model very quickly and next thing they know they're paying and they're paying by the drink in this case by the number of servers they provisioned or number of environments they've created and because it's so easy and simple and there's no governance they've got 10 times the amount of volume in there than they ever had in their fixed environment and their costs are out of control and and they have no ability to understand usage and consumption um so you know, depending on how you're focusing the cloud, you need to put the right economics in place, but also the right governance and oversight to making sure you're taking maximum value. Because just because it's cheap and easy doesn't mean you should be doing it. Well, you know, and the tag on here, it's also a permanent decision. I mean, you know, people always say, well, as long as you have exit strategy, you can get back out of the cloud. 
once you make this decision, you're getting rid of your infrastructure. And if you go to the cloud, it's not like I can just turn around tomorrow and buy all new servers and come back. This is one of those decisions that takes some time, and you make sure you're making the right decision because you're going to live with it for years. So given what we just discussed here, um, I think the next best uh, way to approach this is to look at what is your usage going to be. And when you look at the usage, most of the people like uh, Bill, you mentioned that you use Amazon. And I remember having a conversation with a CTO when they were trying to use a formula. They said before you know it, the usage could go through the roof and or it will very quickly provision something and and, uh, the bills would go crazy. So then you have to deploy a set of tools to control something like that because humanly it may not be always possible. So what are we dealing with here that it is like a a horse that you get on and it is going to either throw you off or you're going to get, it's going to get unmanageable very quickly. Is that, are are we dealing with such situation in real time? Oh, it, it could be if not set up the right way. And that gets back to, um, the governance and how you set up your relationships with these vendors. And, and yes, you know, we, we as a IT industry just look at, you know, the 30 years of capacity management efforts we've had, even in environments we totally controlled and managed and how difficult that was. Now multiply that times 100 in a complexity when you're thinking about a cloud in, in all the things that you don't understand till you're in it. So there are a variety of things in our, in our efforts. We've worked with our, our third parties, um, uh, cloud offering uh, partners on. One is is exactly that. We have some thresholds and other things that if if things ever get beyond a certain threshold or that that there's triggers and flags that they're on the hook too for flagging us about um, uh, that in, in including agreeing on some capacity planning and, and modeling that we both use as the basis of our agreement and pricing models um, that in incentives that in, that drive the right kind of behavior, uh, along with the oversight and the governance. So you know these these things around capacity planning are way more complicated than they used to be, and and those were not things we always did very well. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and let's talk about the approach one could take to help this, simplify this whole usage and the threshold management and when, if there could be cost overruns, there is a way to signal. So many cloud providers, at least that has been reported, have not provided uh, the, the most effective tools to do that. And because the tools are not available, that's why there are third-party services being made available or people are trying to manage without the tools and that's where they're seeing the cost overruns and they're paying through the nose. What can be done to prevent this from happening, what is being done by the vendor community and the enterprises who are supposed to be paying these bills to make sure the usage, the cost, everything stays under control. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. 
Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So a question for you, Phil Bertolini, is about the way we are controlling or able to control usage and able to control threshold and costs and different parameters when we work in a cloud model. And that has cost uh, that has created huge cost overruns for many organizations. So, who is supposed to be left holding the bag? Should it be us as customers who are paying for this service? Should there be some responsibility on the vendor's part? How can we bring this all uh, together and maybe make a better sense of all of this? Well, I, I I fall back to some of my early career in government where I was the tax assessor and. No one liked the tax assessor, and they would come and put a value on your house, and it was incumbent upon the taxpayer then to go ahead and, and fight that value and incumbent upon the assessor to to defend that value. Same thing here. You know, it, both of us are in this, and if we just go about saying, oh, everything's fine, and we aren't watching the bills, and we're just paying them every month, then we're just as much at fault as the company that's providing the service. Now, it's not easy to keep track of, though. There's so many different moving parts in, in the cloud, and when you finally get it into the, the model that's right and you, and you work your contract to make sure you know what you're paying for, then it's a matter of monitoring what you're using versus what you're paying for. And you have to have somebody on staff or somebody on your team or, or an outsourced company that's helping you with the ability to monitor what the usage is and what that bill should be. Now, usage getting out of control Quite honestly, the, the, the cloud company is not going to spin up an environment for you without you asking for it. So the question would be, is why did that environment get spun up? Why did that extra capacity get used? Was there some threshold that we crossed over that we weren't aware of? That's kind of our fault. And I, I don't mean to put too much pressure on us as CIOs, but we have to go into this with eyes wide open. And when we negotiate that contract, we should have every bit of cost and, and how um, change happens, change control, how something gets done and how it doesn't get done and who's responsible for it. That all has to be clearly delineated in the contract. 
And then the company has to obviously, which I don't think they do any of this maliciously. I think it's an immature market still, and I think people are still finding their way, but there's no reason why you can't audit and find out what's really going on and making sure you're only paying for what you're supposed to pay for. Now, we found that early in our cloud days was we saw some of our bills and they just didn't look right. So we started digging in and finding out that we had spun an environment or an environment was supposed to be spun up that we were supposed to start paying for it. It never happened, but yet we were paying for it. It's just like watching your cell phone bills, too, as an organization. You've got to make sure that you're getting billed right by the phone company. You need to make sure you're getting billed right by the cloud company. And I also uh, heard about situations where they internally our team wasn't properly either trained or there was no uh, vigilance around someone willy-nilly spinning up uh, you know, servers and we incurring the cost, and we cannot go and challenge the vendor because we were at fault. So is there something we have to do in terms of readiness of an organization before you open up the floodgates and, and give these people the carte blanche to go ahead and create the environment at their own free will? Well, I guess the issue you have to look at, too, is how mature is your organization, period. Organizations that do not have a good handle on their change control or what they're doing process-wise, they're probably not great candidates to go to the cloud because you have to watch everything because you're paying for it every month. And once you make that decision and go there, it's a decision you have to live with for a very long time. So if you don't have the right people internally to go ahead and manage it, you're going to have a problem. But then my question is, how immature are you as an organization to begin with? Do you have the right process and procedures in place to even manage your internal usage? So if you don't know what, the cl- what you're using in the cloud, do you really know what you're using internally on your servers in your data center? So I believe that, yes, to, to use the cloud effectively, you need to have a more mature organization that has process and procedure in place and the right skill sets in place to be able to make sure it's being managed properly and that you're not paying for more than what you're actually using. So, Bill Fandrick, question for you. You you had the pre-cloud days and, of course, with the cloud days. And when it happened, did you have any specific uh, guideline to say these specific changes we would make to our policies and procedures, which will make sure that everyone who, whenever they provision a server or a, a desktop or whatever other compute, will go through a certain very uh, set of training and or uh, audits before it actually get provision on the server before you even uh, get billed an extra nickel? How did you prevent unnecessary leakage from happening? And how did you know you, got, you, you are there now in terms of organizational maturity before you allowed the cloud to be provisioned through your bill, if you will, through your account? Yeah, so so to to be one hundred percent transparent on that, we still um, limit probably more so. You know, even in our our traditional legacy world, even though it's not the same as as building out um, uh, a, a server farm, if you will, or, or or standing up a new server. You know, we our business pe- uh, team people had a lot of ability in SharePoint to to create things and them up on their own, and we had guidelines there, et cetera, and always, as you can imagine, those things were challenged to 
to um, oversee and govern. But when it comes to the cloud, um, there are only a couple people with the keys to the kingdom to do that. And even though it's it, you can self-provision, it still goes through a validation step. Um, and as part of that, there's a very heavy scrutiny, uh, getting back to, to what Phil was saying before, very heavy scrutiny on the bills um, and, and thus the detail behind the bills that tells us what's being consumed, what's being deployed, um, et cetera, so we can better understand it. So I actually think in this new world, it doesn't just, it's not about just rolling it out in training. You have to think about a different decision-making process and an authority process of who actually can invoke those services. Um, and quite frankly, you've got to rein that in tighter, not looser because the implications are far greater when they're outside your boundaries. Did you have a, a signal or a litmus test that, okay, my organization is fully cooked for cloud in terms of the people, policy, and processes? Yeah, and we do it, you know, it's not as a, um, what I consider we're doing it area by area, environment by environment. So as you think about just the normal life cycle of, of how we deploy things is, again, most of our stuff for now has been in our new innovative capabilities going to the cloud. So we are redesigning. As part of that, everything's managed tightly within a project while we're doing that. And then there's a level of maturity that you're building out before it becomes truly operational with most of the people who designed and built it still controlling it. But when we move, now that we're moving to an operational state, we go through, it is a redesigned IT support model uh, that affects um, virtually every aspect of our organization within IT, but it does change roles and responsibilities and decision-makers. So until we see those things in place and until we see that people are responding consistently the way we're expecting it, we just don't roll it out. It, it's, it's, it, it has to be tied to hitting certain levels of maturity and being able to um, also change the authority levels within the organization who can do what. So, Phil Bertolini, this is a question for you. When we are looking at cloud management and it's getting literally out of hands in some cases, we would definitely like to introduce automation. But then, like with any other automation exercise in, within IT or otherwise, we want to find the best candidates where we start doing it. What would be your recommendation where humans should still watch for what's going on versus where automation could play a role so that we are not unnecessarily putting our team to a task which they can anyway not do well, and plus it will be a waste of their time and energy. Well, I, I guess I, I have to challenge the premise that, that there's so much work monitoring the cloud that we need automation to do it. And, you know, if you wanted to go ahead and talk to me about cybersecurity and the logs that we generate and all the information that gets generated, I might say, hey, let's get some more artificial intelligence in there and let's get some automated ways to, to look at patterns and to, and to deal with the outcomes. But as far as monitoring the cloud, the question is, is what are we using? When are we using it? Our people should know that. And, and so whether it needs to be automated or not, or you need a dashboard, I guess, depends about how much you have out there. There's, there's some indication that, you know, smaller entities may struggle using some cloud technologies, but they certainly are using SaaS technologies. They're certainly using applications that are housed in somebody's cloud somewhere, 
and they're simply consuming them. And it actually lightens up the need to manage and to, to look at trends and so on. So I, I, guess, I, I guess my challenge to everyone is you have to know what you're getting into when you get into it. If you don't have the right resources to do it, you've got to find them. If you have the right resources but the volume of data is going to be too great, then maybe we need to start looking at management portals or management technologies that allow you to do it. And again, that's all that does, though, is you talked about hidden costs earlier, that adds cost to the system. And the question is, do you have the budget to do it? And, and I don't know. It's going to depend on the organization. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And we did talk about talent a little bit, but we didn't go into in terms of what would it take for us to get our organization ready for the cloud. So yes, the cloud is not new. We have been using it and we have been trying to hire people, whether consultants or in-house. But what's the current situation? Is it really out of hand? How are we developing talent? And what does the future hold? What should we be preparing toward? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. All right, so uh, welcome back, listeners. Uh, Bill Fendrick, this is a question for you, and this is about talent. So we have had talent in the past. We also have talent now are going to have in the future. With the cloud coming in, what changes if there is challenge related to talent, what is the major reason why we are having this crisis? Well, I think the there's no question. Um, oftentimes, people when they get to the cloud is is fulfilling. I've talked about people think it is a panacea, and it is actually more complicated to manage. 
you have to remember, IT became, and within our organizations, we've become very sophisticated and specialized um, in certain things, but that what you really need um, uh, is is a end-to-end understanding you know, you're bringing the network, the hardware, the software, uh, capacity planning, and all those services together. So when you're thinking about it, it's a more sophisticated uh, technology uh, individual who understands the interplay of all those dimensions as you're thinking about administering a cloud model. So talent is an issue. Um, there's not many out there who understand all those dimensions, and oftentimes what you find is you've got to find some of your best talent, and you've got to work with third parties, whether they're consultants or others, to help get up the learning curve. Uh, but it is a commitment. Now, the good news about it is there's other areas of specialization in your organization you don't need to be good at anymore. Um, uh, but that's it's still a challenge. And I'll I'll tag on to that with Bill and. And say that, you know, this is a special skill to the point where some of your internal people and your internal assets are going to fight against you originally. They believe that as you go to the cloud that they may lose their jobs. Their jobs just become that much more difficult. And we actually had to go out and find a third-party consultant to come work with us to make sure we were going in the right direction because it was a skill set we just did not have on board. So I can't stress enough, you got to have the right people internally, and if you don't, get the right people externally to make it happen. One last question, 30 seconds each. Bill, uh, uh, Phil Bertolini, I'll start with you. What would be that one top mindset, leadership mindset someone should assume in a position of a CIO while dealing with cloud as a resource to be able to create the most value using it for the organization? Well, the first thing is first, it's a business issue, not a technology issue. Make sure that your business culture and your leadership are willing to go along with you. And always remember, it's all about the people. you got to have the right people to make it happen. And Bill Fendrick? Yeah, I would, I would just add on to that. Um, everything Phil said, spot on. Just also just recognize it's a journey, it, and it's, a, it's not a panacea. And you need to approach it in the right way uh, with the right mindset from a business paradigm change, um, not a technology, to move through it successfully. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, uh, Bill Fandrick and Phil Bertolini, for sharing your views on how organizations can build a strong foundation with cloud as a resource for the most outcome that it can generate uh, for the business. Thank you so much again. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, that's CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.